Good morning. So, in thinking about what to preach, um, I've been rereading uh, Reinhard Bunke's autobiography. Um, that kind of was the genesis of where this started for me. Um, and one of the stories that he had in there um, started this thought, but there are several others that all tie in together. Um, and the initial thought that I had is simply, um, I, I started with the, the thought of this as just the an, what offense, offense is. And it's more than one thing. We have more than one definition of this uh, in the English language, which is pretty common with English words because it makes it really fun for foreigners to learn a language. But um, for us, I literally just decided to go back to the dictionary first um, in thinking about this. And I'm just going to read a, a few of the definitions. There's more than were worth my time. But um, one of the first ones was literally a breach of law or an illegal act. And another one was, it constitutes a violation of something that's judged what is right or natural. And then another was an annoyance or resentment brought through by a perceived insult or disregard to one's standards or principles. And then the last main one here that's kind of a twofer is uh, an action of attacking someone or something. And this one was actually related to sports and being football season, we can think of uh, the the offense of a football team. And the entertaining part of that was that it seems like it didn't matter which way you spelled the word on the Internet. But uh, the, the offense, they have a purpose, and it's to attempt to score or advance the ball, um, which would be an offense to the defense, obviously, because they, uh, they don't want you to do that. So when we look at all of these different options, um, it was somewhat the beginning of what I was thinking of when I was preparing this sermon. And when we look at different aspects of nature that God created and different things that we have in technology and otherwise, even in the medical field, we have surgeons that have to cause an injury in order to bring healing. If they go in to remove a tumor or they go in to, to, to fix something inside of us, they had to make a very careful, very skilled cut or injury to fix what was broken, to remove something that didn't belong there. And I even think of like when a doctor would set a bone, this is considered one of the most painful things to do if you don't have anesthetic. But they they must cause some amount of pain in order to make it right. But not all things that are painful are quite so serious, but have a, a good result in the end. And another I thought of is literally that we have every one of the mothers that's ever given birth to a child has gone through much stress and pain for the joy that comes at the end. And this is also true for the baby. There's much stress that is undertaken during being born. They, this stress, this pressure expels things from the lungs and causes them to swallow a uh, portion of the ambionic fluid to actually start their digestive system, which is actually a very good thing, but it goes through much, much pressure. And even when we exercise, we cause injury to our muscles, small tears or small insults that actually make them stronger. Even in 
plants and whatnot, pruning trees or even weeding a garden, you actually cause stress to the others around it. I know with weeding a garden, there's a balance we find in the Bible for the wheats and the tares. But all these things all add up. These are different times that, that some amount of pain is caused that, that brings a benefit in the end. And I even think of my own children when they were little, even when they were very little, at the earliest time when you're training them, the slightest of little tap on their hand, you would have thought that the mountains had moved against them. And that tiny little objection to their will to, to start to teach them and train them um, is necessary. Um, and this is a part of what the, the gospel does and what it brings to people. The gospel of Jesus is, is like this, an offense to some of those that might hear it, but it's also for their benefit that they would respond to the word that God has spoken to them. And when the word of God is preached, that's, that's what it is. It's, it's a, a preacher or a man that's simply trying to bring the word from heaven to them. Um, that's, even though it may cause an offense, that it can bring an opportunity for healing and even for joy. And this is true whether it be for someone who's never been saved or someone who's been saved for 50 years. It doesn't matter. And, and how many of us know that for certain things, when God gets close to, when I was chatting with my wife, um, she reminded me of this one, but like from the Lord of the Rings, our precious. The closer you get to it, the more angry and upset we get. How dare you um, get close to my one special thing that I don't want to be made known or I don't want to, uh, to talk about. And even a former pastor, also in talking to my wife, that uh, I, I believe it was uh, Gibbs, I think, but he had said that at some point, every Christian will come to a point where your will directly opposes God's will, and you'll be ready to, to a point where you must make a choice. And some of us, you know, you can have one response or another to that, but some of us, we might blame the person that brings this word to you, whether it be a preacher or a friend. But still, these, this word that comes from God is meant for your healing. And I like the one term that, um, not term, but the saying that Reinhard Bunke used in his book many times. There's two main ones. One was altar call, not protocol. And the other was to plunder hell of many souls that heaven may be full. He's, he spoke of a blood-washed Africa, talking about it being saved. Um, but Jesus is also known as the great physician. And he wants to be able to remove the infection that's within each one of us, whether that be large or small. And it's by his mercy that he would want to do this for us and that he shows it to us, that he loves us so incredibly, that he wants the opportunity to heal us, to make us anew, um, and in Romans 12, uh, 1 and 2, it talks about the transforming of our minds. And it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that, that you present your bodies the living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which you, your responsible service, which is your responsible service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, each one of these, uh, our minds is one of the things that God does want to heal. Um, 
within our own power, it's actually one of the things that's most difficult for us to change or to transform. But that's exactly what God's mercy has brought to us as an opportunity that even a flawed person, a flawed individual, even such as myself, would be here to preach to you today to accomplish the purposes of Jesus in each one of our lives, whether it be to transform our minds, but to make it to that which is right according to the will of God. And this brings correction. And God brings correction to the ones He loves, just like parents with their children. And one of the verses within my main text in Hebrews 12, verse 6, it says, For whom the Lord loves, He chastens, and scourges every son whom He receives. Jesus demonstrates how great His love is to us He first did this because he laid his life down for us for our benefit. He had such a great sacrifice that all the laws, like it said in our first definition, that we've broken, we've been offense to God, could be fixed, could be forgiven. We must still respond and accept this forgiveness or this payment on our behalf. But Jesus went to the cross and gave us that opportunity And the Bible tells us that he took on the sins of this world and he despised the shame. And Jesus truly took the first great offense. Every one of us, from the time we were born until now, we've had different offenses that we've committed knowingly or unknowingly against God. I say many of us, we know when we've done something wrong. Even when we're little, we have that feeling of, oh, I shouldn't have done that, or even as an adult. Sometimes we have a, oh, that wasn't quite right, or I didn't do what I really should have. And that will bring me to our main text. Um, And in the Bible, the text truly is never by itself. So I'm going to read in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 17. It's a little bit of a long reference here, but uh, the previous chapter tells us of who the witnesses are that they're referring to in the beginning of this. And these are great men throughout history in the Bible, that by their faith they had accomplished something and they done did something that was righteous and right in God's eyes. So uh, starting in verse 1 in chapter 12, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, this is true of us. We also can see joy after a hardship sometimes. Even when we look at children when we discipline them, The truth is, after we've disciplined them and we've moved beyond it and showed them that we truly love them, they are greatly benefited by the correction they've received. And then continuing on in verse 3, For consider him who endures such hostility from sinners against him, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. 
For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom the Father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which you have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who correct us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be subjected in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chasten us, as seems best to them. But he for our profit, that we may be partakers in his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And this was exactly what I was saying just a moment ago. The fruit that comes from the the rebuke possibly from God or the just the changing of direction, the gentle chastening, each of these things, they bring something. And this is one of the ways that when we respond to the correction that God has given to us, there are many, many things that we could need correction for. But what it leads to is the fruit of righteousness in our own lives and in our own hearts that comes from God. And then finishing this part out, starting in 12, Therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight the path of your for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without, without which no one will see the Lord, looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up causing trouble, and by this many become defiled, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright, for you know that afterwards he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found... For he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. Now this is one of the things, this is like the the second half of this. For those that have heard what God has asked them to do and have listened, these are some of the things that, that, that we need to do as Christians. We need to pursue holiness and that which is right. And that we be careful to take up no root of bitterness. And I find it interesting in verse 15 where it says that many become defiled. Um. And this is one of the truths of bitterness is that it doesn't affect one person usually. But the one that can correct it, the one that can fix it, is Jesus Christ. He's the one that's able to, to help us with that and come to our own repentance uh, until it is too late. The final day for us, living in this day and age where we have such grace from God, the last chance we have is before we leave this world and come to the judgment. Now, the, the gospel is an offense to many people. One of the other stories that I found incredibly interesting that um, one of those two that I previously mentioned was Reinhard Bunke was called and asked to preach, above all, believe it or not, at a Catholic convention uh, before priests and nuns in the upper echelon of their organization and he came to them and he preached a message and because he's an evangelist, he 
preached what he always would preach. He preached the ABCs of the gospel, and he gave it to them plainly. And, and God compelled him to do an altar call. And trust me, I understand when you have a, a room full of what you would expect to be Christian biblical leaders, this might seem like it didn't make sense. But he had seen this happen once before um, at one of his own uh, gatherings of, of pastors where God called him to lay down and have an altar call. And in that event, the ones who responded wasn't actually those in attendance, but it was the waiters and those in the periphery that in the servers that he didn't really think of um, in the immediate moment. But in this one, God used him to speak to these people. And he laid down this altar call and he asked them, for those that want to receive Christ for the first time, to raise their hand. He saw many hands raised and he thought he absolutely must be mistaken. So he sought out to, to, to explain it even better to make sure they weren't misunderstanding because he knew who he was speaking to. And he, and he, he said, everyone put your hands down. Hold on, wait, 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 wait. No, I want to make sure I'm very clear. I'm talking to those who have never received Jesus as your Savior. And he laid it down very clearly and specifically. And this time, even more hands were raised. And he prayed a prayer, prayer of salvation. I don't know the exact numbers because I don't remember. With many of these people that you would have expected, they absolutely had previously known Jesus. They, uh, they definitely knew of him, but they never knew of the Jesus that he was proclaiming to them with the love and compassion which comes from Jesus Christ. And the result of this, though, was that the leaders of their organization were so embarrassed that they banned him from preaching at any of their events or anything they were related to ever again. But he didn't lose heart with that because he responded and listened to God when he called him to do it. And on his flight home, he actually, um, a nun came up to him and said, you know what, I prayed that prayer too, but I was afraid to raise my hand at the time because I just, I just didn't know what Mother Superior would think and, and I didn't want to you know, embarrass myself. But, but I wanted to let you know that I too prayed that prayer. And that's one of the things that, um, that, that is very interesting is that within that, there was likely many more that also prayed that prayer and even for us, we can think of that as well when we do an outreach or we do an altar call. We don't know how many more that were in the crowd that, that just, that did respond but did not raise their hand. And the, this truly, the, the great offense of the gospel is it, it will offend some that are not ready to hear it, whether that be embarrassment or some other reason. But what it really is meant to be is a healing ointment that God brings that results from the love, the mercy, the forgiveness, the restoration of relationship, showing the great compassion to bring us to a freedom and the ability to heal our bodies, mind, and soul. Now, sometimes those that are offended, they might see someone dare I say, an unskilled swordsman with the one speaking to them. But the truth is, is thank God that I'm not the one that has to be the, the, 
the, the careful dicer of the things that need to be said because the truth is the Holy Spirit is actually the one that Jesus uses as the most skilled surgeon with the scalpel in his hand, not just a clumsy soldier that has never been trained with a huge sword hacking away at people. That's for the pastor or for the preacher, that's our balance that we must stick to exactly what God asks us to preach. But God will use the words of a, of a preacher, of a pastor, to carefully, skillfully remove that dark black tumor of sin in our soul or even just that slightest little sliver in our hearts, whether it be of pride or bitterness or some other attitude we've taken up. And this is what comes through the Holy Ghost, through, through preaching, when we compel people through the compassion that Jesus Christ has already shown to each one of us, that His love is so great that He was willing to die for you. And like the Bible says, what greater love than a man than this than to lay down his life for a friend? That is one of the one of those foundational pieces that um, is even honored in our military. That's one of the greatest sacrifices someone could ever make is to lay down their life for your protection and for your benefit. And sometimes for someone who will never see it. Now, Jesus on the cross, he took the greatest offense towards him, but he did it so that he could proclaim and and push forward with the greatest offense to win the world because he paid the price and he made a way where there was no way. Thinking of that sports reference, he was the secret weapon that was then unleashed on the world that all those laws and all those things that were before, they had been fulfilled. And he made a way for the, the, the Jew, the non-Jew, he made a way for each one of us and he showed his love that was so great that he was willing to die for us. Now, many of us, when we have possibly heard someone preach and they've touched on something that applies to us personally, sometimes that hurts, but when we know the purpose that Jesus is, is saying those things to us, it's for our benefit, it's meant to be a healing balm that helps heal us personally to bring forth His righteousness, His holiness. Like I remember my wife saying when she was first saved, um, every time they would preach on homosexuality because it was in her past, she said every single time it seemed like this little, ugh, that hurt. But the further she's gotten away from it, I know that pain has gotten less. And the value and the joy for listening to God on those things where she said she obeyed, not because she understood, but because she knew that the God who loved her so much that died for her, that, that brought opportunity for her to be saved, that would separate her from, from that God. And because of that, she didn't want to do anything that would separate her from God. Each of us, we should look at the, the sins that we were previously a part of the same way whether it be big or small, whether it be the thief, whether it be the fornicator, whether it be the adulterer, whether it be someone else or any one of those sins, because there's many of them, it doesn't matter. We should look at it the same way. Sometimes it may hurt when those things are touched on. But we should look at that not in a negative way, but in a positive way, that God loves us so much that He continually wants to help us to grow us in the right direction that we can make heaven our home. 
Because the, the whole purpose, when Jesus came, He fulfilled the law that we could be forgiven. And He made payment for us. And the whole purpose that Jesus started was actually a worldwide rescue mission for every last one of us. That He would have made a way for it that each one of us, like the saying says, to seek and save the lost, that in this process, yes, attacking the sin, not the person, but the sin they're involved in, because the person is, the, is what is of such great value, the soul, the, the, literally the soul that, that God created, that is of what's such great value. And to separate them from the sin that separates them from God is the good thing. And in bringing this together in conclusion, basically, is this, that this world, God has called imperfect people to preach His perfect Word to the benefit of others. And this is the same reason why I'm even here today, is that the opportunity that is presented by me preaching here this morning is that every single person in this place, whether you've never been saved or you've been saved for longer than I've been alive, God brings an opportunity that, that you could come a little closer to God. I think of um, painting my house. And bear with me with this analogy. But at first, the, the entire house looked absolutely horrendous, mind you. But now as we've slowly went from the worst areas and worked our way through, as we finished one area, the next area now looked like the worst area. And we moved a little further, and now the next area looks like the worst area. I think you're getting the point here, but and so on, and so on, and so on, and so on, until finally we got to the front of the house, which at the beginning looked the best of the entire house. Now we have just a a completely white house, so to give you the idea of just the color. But as each one of those spots and blemishes were removed, we didn't focus on all those clean areas so much anymore. Our eyes continued to draw to the, the small areas, big or small, that were left that needed to be cleaned or needed, needed to be fixed. And one of the examples of what the gospel is like is, is like water, living water. And... For the right person, when someone comes to them with the Word of God, it's like someone who's been wandering in a desert with no water, and you finally brought them that cup of water. And they're like, thank you. But the truth is, that same water that brings life in the desert, if it doesn't move in the right way on our homes, this is the very thing that rots wood in great number. I'm sure Nelson understands this. <laughs> Anyone who's done construction does. Like If water is not controlled and in the right place, it rots. If it's stagnant, where it sits is where it rots the wood. And that's the same thing for us. When we have living water in us, it's meant to flow through us and not stay with us. It's meant to impact and reach more because as we continue to let it flow through us, God continues to fill us and continues to use us for His perfect will. Now, the, the last part here is simply that what God says is that He loved us so much 
that he's willing to die for us. And, he, and the truth is, is, if you're someone who is lonely or alone, with Christ, you are never alone. He is with you. He has made a way for you. And those, well, it doesn't matter whether you feel just lonely or if you even feel abandoned, whether that was due to parents with divorce or some other reason, God is still with you, and he can be a father to those who even have no father. Like I said, with Christ, we will never be alone. He will be that perfect father to us. And those who feel worthless, that's a lie from hell, because Jesus put such great value on us. He died on the cross for us. That's what he poured out for you, that you would have the opportunity to be forgiven and to come into relationship with him. For those that feel rejected, Jesus Christ accepts you and loves you. I'm not saying he won't ask you to change and deal with those spots and blemishes like the paint on my house. But he loves you and accepts you. For those who feel like you don't belong, you belong here and you belong in the, in the kingdom of God. And for those who feel unloved, Jesus absolutely loves you. Like I said, no greater example of that than to lay down your life for another. And that's exactly what he did for us. And Jesus, he does call us to change these things. As I said, sometimes they're big, and that, that would be like the first time you repent and you turn to, to God. But the smaller things, as we get closer and we get more refined, at least it should be smaller things, but sometimes it's not, but those smaller things continue to, to be the new sore that needs to be healed, the new portion that God wants to touch. And, and it makes reference to this in uh, Hebrews, like I said. I've, I've been reading through Hebrews recently, and this, that's where I saw this, and I saw these different pieces all come together for me. And that is where I, this morning, want to give that same opportunity just like Reinhard Bunke would always say, that it would be altar call, not protocol, because all of us, whether we've been saved, as I said, for 50 years, or if you've never been saved, that, that that's the opportunity where you can respond to that which God wants to help you with and heal you. Because the balance of the other portion in Reinhard Bunke's book was that he had opportunity to go into Nigeria. And in Going there, he had saw the most blind eyes opened that he'd ever saw in his life in Nigeria, which is a nearly all-Muslim country. And, the, and because of those that saw healing, they went back to their tribes and their families and their clans, and they said, I can see, I could not see, and I can see now that the God he speaks of, Jesus Christ, has done more for me than I've ever seen or ever heard of from Allah, the one that you say you serve. And they came in mass to respond and to hear that what, that he was preaching, which is the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. And because there was such an incredible response, the, the religious leaders and political leaders, the, the, the imams and the mullahs, they called for his death. They didn't have an excuse or a response to it, but they said he must die because he's taking people away from Islam. And that right there is the difference between the one that was ready to hear and ready to receive and the one that is, that is not. 
It's no different like the different soils, but that gives us the opportunity today to be the one that's eager to see again, to hear again, to speak again, or to be the the religious leader, whether it be Catholic or Muslim. Or, they had just different responses, but they had the same outcome as far as their responses, that we would respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if I could have every head bowed here this morning, I would like to take a few minutes to give that opportunity that I spoke of. It's a very simple thing that Jesus asks us to do in order to get saved. He tells us right in the Bible that if we would confess with our mouths, believe in our hearts, that we will be saved. I don't know. I know most people in this room. I don't know exactly where any one of your hearts are here this morning. But I know all of us have sinned. I know many of us are in different arrays of where we are. But the truth is, just like little children, God wants to help us. And he wants to forgive you. He wants you not to be alone. He doesn't want you to be tormented in your mind. He wants to bring that forgiveness, that healing, that restoration. He wants that for you. And if you, and if you would be in this place and you would want to receive that healing, that restoration, that forgiveness that I speak of, if you could signify that with an uplifted hand, we would be so honored to have the opportunity to pray with you. Knowing my audience, I'm not going to wait long on that one. But the other half is this, is that those that are Christians already... There's never a point where we are truly perfect because no human being is. But it gives each one of us an opportunity because I know that God, when I speak of our troubles or our shortcomings, that God will speak to each one of you, all of you, of something that, that He's been working with you on, that He wants you to change, that He wants to set you free. And for those that feel alone or feel tormented in your mind, even for if you're not willing to utter different things, even under to the thoughts of suicide or, or any of these type of things, that, that God is with you and He wants to help you and He wants to heal you. He wants to be your closest friend. And he, God is where your value comes from in everything. It doesn't matter how old or how young you are, or male or female or, or anything else. Young, it doesn't matter if you're a child. God wants you to be whole, to be of sound mind, and He wants to, you to know that you are loved and you are of great value to Him. And I'm going to open the altars. If that, if that would apply to you, that I'd welcome you here this morning to, to come and pray here in the altar this morning. And I just want to thank you all for joining us. Come. That applies to you. Seek God. He, he's here to help you. You deliver me from my